You're listening to Sascapes, a podcast featuring the stories of arts, culture, and heritage in Saskatchewan. Van Gowen is known as a leader in the arts and entertainment scene in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. She's the recipient of the 2005 Saskatchewan Medal, two Saskatchewan Tourism Awards. She's created Swift Current's Blenders Music Concert Series, is a founding member of the Long Day's Night Music Festival and the internationally recognized Sask Power Windscape Kite Festival. I'm Kevin Power. And in this episode of Sascapes, I'm joined by Shan and two of her Windscape Kite Festival committee members, Denise Barbier and David Tuttle, as they share with us the story of how this very unique festival was born. Each June, you can celebrate four of the longest days of the year with great music under the living skies above Swift Current, Saskatchewan. I am in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. It's good to be back. I haven't been here for 10 years, so I, uh, it's high time that I get myself back here, um, and I am so thrilled to be talking about the um, Windscape Kite Festival, which happens every summer here in Swift Current, and I have with me three people who are key in making this kite festival happen every year. And they are Shan Gowan, Denise Barbier, and uh, David Tuttle. So, before we get on to the festival, I want to get to know a little bit about the three of you. So I'm going to start with Shan, who's been my main contact. Shan, you are one of the five most fascinating people of 2008. <laughs> Yeah. Not since, though. So. <laughs> I was going to say, either you've gotten more fascinating or less fascinating. Less fascinating. No, I'm <laughs> which, which would then explain why you are referred to as being very humble yet witty. Ah. Uh. <laughs> um, in this fabulous video that I found online, uh, it was a, a YouTube video uh, that they... Uh, Swift Current Business Association, or somebody did it? Who oh, was it? Yeah, it was Southwest TV News with, I think it was the Business Association, yeah. the Chamber of Commerce. Or Chamber, something. Right, and it was so. the most fascinating people of 2008, and it made it online. And you really cracked me up because, and I'm quoting you here, uh, you said, you have to have arts in your life for a quality of life. And then you followed that up by saying, and if you don't have it, well, you've got a really boring place to live. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought that just about sums it up. So, yes. tell me a little bit about your journey to Swift Current. You were born in Regina. I was born in Regina, and I've lived in Swift Current most of my life. I was away for probably 15 years when I lived in Alberta and went to school. 
Um, and I'm a graphic designer, and I've been self-employed since, I don't know, 89, and started doing music and festivals in 2002. Right. Um, so, which came first, the music or the kite festival for you? Uh, well, originally, there was a kite festival that was put on by the art gallery. Uh-huh. And because I work with the art gallery and was doing their promotions and stuff, I was involved with the original one. There was an exhibition called On Blue. Kite that was in 1998. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1998. Yeah. Right. And it was an art gallery thing, and they just invited a whole bunch of artists to display their beautiful kites. And they put on invited those artists to come and put on a kite festival. Right. And it was successful, and but it was just a tremendous amount of work. <laughs> so we never did it again. It wasn't meant to be annual then. And then I started putting on music concerts and music festivals in 2002 and 2003. Because you didn't have quite enough to do. Well, because I love music, and it, uh-huh. the kind I wanted wasn't being presented in Swift Current. So I thought there was a place to have more music in our world. And that's the Blenders yeah, series. and then we did Long Day's Night and then started Stir Crazy Blues. And then Long Day's Night was downtown, and it wasn't a good fit because it was too noisy. So we moved it outside of town, and it was a way to fill the tent during the day with the music at night. So we put the Kite Festival with it during the days and right. the music at night. And all while this is happening, do you still maintain, uh, you still have your foot in the communications? I do. I do the promotions and advertising for the art gallery. Mm -hmm. And they are my only client besides the festivals and music stuff. Okay. And then you wrangle most of your family as volunteers during the festival. Oh, yeah. No, they don't get a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So they are interns. They are. And actually, I have one daughter that's gone into the industry, probably from being with another. Yeah. Oh, good. So, yeah. Good. That must make you feel proud. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. And she's doing, she'll go a lot farther than I have. So it'll be really good. Okay. But you've stayed in Saskatchewan for all of your life and your career. Most of it, yes. Mm -hmm. What do you love about this province? What keeps you here? Uh, Well, I'm fortunate enough to live on a farm now. Uh, and I grew up in Swift Current itself, and it's beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. We have amazing sky. We have, and it's just a beautiful part of our world. And it's hilly. Yeah, well, and it's gorgeous. And we live on a creek in the creek bank and our long creek bank, and it's just an amazing place to live. And yeah, there's lots of stuff happening in Swift Current, and it's a nice, safe it's the best size ever, and no, it's a great place to live. Right. Excellent. Denise, are you the coordinator of the festival? Is that I coordinate the volunteers and the celebrity guest flyers, the kite okay. flyers for the festival. And how long have you been doing that? This is my second year doing that. I have been a volunteer in the past. Right. Are you originally from Swift Current? I am originally from Manitoba, ah. so I do have a prairie connection, though. Right. And how yeah. did you find your way here? Hi, yes. <laughs> I actually met, my husband is from here. Uh-huh. He grew up in, in the Southwest and right. was living in Swift Current when we met. And I was living in Vancouver. And when we, yeah, we decided to settle here. So right. that's how I ended up here. And you started as a volunteer. Yeah, the first year I moved here, I didn't know anyone other than my husband. And I needed a way to 
connect with the community I just moved to and thought this was, um, yeah, I volunteered for the Kite Festival. My background's in events and event management, and mm-hmm. so I was interested in knowing what kind of events were happening here. So when do you begin working on the, on the festival uh, for the part that you do? Hey, it's Kevin. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just a quick reminder that the Sascapes podcast is available for free on your favorite podcast app, or you can stream it from your browser. Check out the show notes for the link. On the Sascapes homepage, you'll notice something new under the logo called Sascapes Plus. You can't miss it. There's a big button saying support with a heart icon next to it. I'd love it if you could click on that button and help keep this podcast series going. When Sascapes launched in May 2014, it was the first podcast in the province celebrating arts, culture, and heritage. In fact, you'd have been pretty hard-pressed to find any Saskatchewan podcast. So I'd like to think that we paved the way. It's been because of your support that this podcast is now in its ninth year. Okay, that's it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, this year I started in September. Mm-hmm. Because the festival has been happening for, this, well, this will be the 11th year, right. it's gained a reputation amongst the kite flying community. Um, and that's really an international community. And so um, it's not, people are eager to come. Right. And we, are, we get recommendations from other flyers that have been here before. And some approach us just out of the blue, asking if they can come. Um, so we... We listen to recommendations from flyers that we know. We follow the American Kite Flyers Association. Um, they have conventions every year and winners of different categories. We look at who's doing well within the kite flying world. And but are you the main point of contact for all the for the kite flyers that come? Your special get there. Your yes. Sort of, yes. Right. Yeah. And, and so and you look after them. We do. Yeah. We arrange their travel here and look after them once they're here and make sure they get back to the airport. (laughs) So when the festival is all over and all is said and done, do you breathe a huge sigh of relief because it's... Yes, and then go hang out by the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, I know that volunteers are the backbones of just about every festival going, so um, good for you for stepping up to the plate and not being just a volunteer, but also taking on that other hat. Yeah, I'm actually... Shan employs me to do this role, so I'm... Yeah, I have been a volunteer in the past, but I am employed. Oh, good. Um, that would right be now. very noble of you. <laughs> to take well, on all of that. I ask way too much of Denise. <laughs> Shan manages all the summer staff, which is a big, a big part of the job too. Right. But right. Great. So. David, moving on to you. Um, you're not originally from Saskatchewan. No, I grew up on the west coast. So, and when I. At the time I moved out here, I was li- I'd been in Vancouver for about 20 years. Right. You went to the Ontario um, College of Art and Design. Yes. Well, uh, Ontario College of Art at the time. Right. That's right. Yes. No design. Right. And, and uh, Simon Fraser University uh-huh. as well. And what were you studying there? Visual arts. Okay. So I'm a painter and a kite maker and uh, a bunch of other stuff. But you were put on to kites during your time there because of a project that you were... Yeah, a first-year project in, in at, at OCA. It was a class called Explorations, and the, the teacher's name was uh, Nabuo Kabota, Nabi, we called him. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the projects was uh, to build a kite. 
And no, nobody, there's one guy in the class, I think, that knew he was in his 30s. He knew how to build a, a diamond shaped. Mm-hmm. Everybody else just went to it. And I met, I think I made a, a cellular kite with round cells and weird wings or something. And we never got to fly them. Oh, so you didn't know no, if didn't. they would fly? No, no. We left them over the summer and then they originally got, eventually got thrown out. So I never had a chance to fly it, but um, that sort of got me interested. And uh, there was a really good kite store in, in Toronto at the time called um, Touch the Sky mm-hmm. up at uh, Young and Bloor. Mm-hmm. And I went and got a kite there because I didn't get a chance to fly the one I had. So I think I bought a little octopus and then a, a you know some cheap kites and, and, and sort of got into it from there. So that got you hooked, that project. Yeah, and then and then I moved out to Vancouver after I graduated and immediately got a job in the kite store. Right. So Is that kite store still there? No, it's gone. Yeah, right. I mean, the original store was has been gone for almost 20 years. Right. Um, um, High as a kite, I guess. It was yeah. Called. Yeah, yeah it in was. Vancouver in yeah. Gastown there. It's gone. Right. And then there was another replacement store that's also gone, so... So yeah, that's all. But that hooked me into the kite community, and I joined the club, and and uh, and you know started be, you know flying kites on a regular basis, and and eventually got started building them, and you know and get hooked into that whole community. Right. And it is an international. Community. Right. So you're a member of the British Columbia Kite Flyers Association and the American yeah. Kite Flyers. Association. And I've been a members of other. I was a member of the Scottish Kite Club and. You know, a couple of others over the years too. I mean, you know, you just get their newsletter, and so are you making kites um, constantly? Not constantly. I don't do it as much as I used to because I'm sort of focusing on painting right now. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I, you know, con- consistently, I make a couple a year at least. Right. You've had a you had an exhibit here recently. Well, no, I'm about to. Oh, you're about to. Yeah, um, okay. starting. I'm actually on leave right now, so I'm uh, in March. We're going to set it up in the gallery, and, and it will include some kites, but mostly okay. paintings and drawings. Right. Are your paintings and drawings influenced by your kites at all? Well, uh, it's the other way around, really. Huh. Because I'm doing. I'm interested in in two dimensional pattern ornament uh-huh. and pattern. Uh-huh. geometric and otherwise and so that has become a subject matter for for my kites to put on to decorate because it's decoration right and and so i was always what the hell do i put on my kites you know at, yeah. for a long time and then i get into i started with celtic knot work and that's sort of everywhere so i just sort of move on there's so many other there's twenty thousand years of you know history of ornament so right so, you know, that's a great subject matter for kites. So, that, so your kite is your canvas. Yeah. Wow. And not as I haven't really achieved as much as some of the other international kite artists, and they are artists because mm-hmm. they focus on kites as their medium. And so I've yet to, you know, really, you know, uh, obtain, you know, get to the highest level of kite art, but... His kites are beautiful. Oh, thank <laughs> they you. really, really are. He has uh-huh. beautiful kites. Uh huh. And you, of course, do you ever sell any of them, or are they? I've sold a few, uh-huh. but uh, it's not really a focus. I mean, I tried to do the the kite, you know, the the craft fair idea with selling yeah. kites. And yeah. I've tried it a couple of times, and it's just it's just a lot of work, right. and you're just sewing all the time. And I didn't even get wasn't even that successful at it. Right. But people have done it. They just that's all they do is sew all day long and then it just becomes work so no i'm i'm more of the artist type i don't really 
Right. So you, but you came here in 1998 to help out with that um, that original. The original festival. one. Yeah. yeah, I came in '97 because I used to work. Kim Hotaling's a director here and the curator, and I worked with him in Burnaby in the late '90s after after university. Mm-hmm. I was his assistant. I was an auxiliary staff member, and he was the preparator. And he, when I found out he was coming out here to take over this gallery. I was trying to think of a way to do an exhibition of kites as art because it's not really promoted as such in galleries. I mean, I'd been involved with a few things, but I wanted to do an exhibition of Canadian kite makers. Kim was the only guy that was, and he thought it was a great idea, and he said, well, come out to Swift Current and do it at this gallery that I'm going to be at. So a couple years later, in 97, I came out and we scoped the place out and finally found a big field and... And then we took off from there for the first festival. The attitude toward kites has changed, though, yeah? People do see it as, as ours? Yeah, in the last 20-odd, 25 years, yeah, there's lots of gallery. You know, it's not common, but it's not unheard of either. So there is, yeah, some really prestigious galleries throughout the world that show kites sure. as art. So it's not, comp- yeah, it's getting better. Have you lost any kites in any of your kite flying years or had them damaged? Yeah, actually I lost one at Chan's place once. Mm-hmm. It, the wind blew it and it went down on a neighbor's land and I think it ended up in the slough, but we, we never, never found did. it. Oh, but if this is if this is your art, yeah. how does that feel when you lose one? Well, it's annoying because I'd had that yeah. kite for a while. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> and then I lost one on the field. It was either lost right. or stolen a couple of years ago. I don't... Right. Yeah, yeah I, I think I, I've lost two. That right. I'm aware of. Uh-huh. Um, and the second one, I I tend to build them and fly them, and then it takes me several years maybe to f- figure out what I'm going to actually put on them. Right. So so the one, the second one I lost, it didn't have any graphics on it, but it was still annoying because it took me a long time to make it. So. No kidding. <laughs> I love that. It's just <laughs> annoying. <laughs> So here you guys are coming up to your 11th year. It happens June 20th and 21st this year, right? Yeah. So last year, 9,000 people came, you figure. Yeah. Okay. And according to your website, they came from England, India, Mexico, Korea, Ireland, Australia, Belgium, Italy, Colombia, South Africa, and France. Those where those people were all from. Yeah, some of them were probably just visiting here and <laughs> came to the festival. Right. I don't think they came just for the festival, but we had lots from far away. But how cool it is that these people are coming to Saskatchewan as well as the festival. I mean, that's Absolutely. pretty great. That's pretty great. Um, talk to me about the volunteers behind this festival. It's a huge part of making this work. Yeah. How many volunteers did we have last year total? Two hundred and nineteen. Right. It's what it took for two days of, of the kite festival. And you have a very attractive recruiting page on your website that, that's very <laughs> enticing. Denise has got Did you that do that? all down that your path. Well, no, the, it's been a combination of... Right. <laughs> but it's very... You, you, it really draws you in. You've got great incentive Good. packages there. Good. So that's worked. <laughs> Good. It's always hard. That's a fair number of people for a community this size. Yes. So, and it's at a busy time. It's always grad time. It's like It just seems like it's a busy time to get people. But we've been really fortunate. We've never hit a festival where we didn't have enough people to run it. So we've been really fortunate that the city 
everybody in the city gets behind it and is willing to participate with us. So it's been good. And we have great volunteers. And they get perks for volunteering. Yes, they do. Right. <laughs> so. Right. And then eventually some of them rub off and become members of, of the committee on a long-term basis. Yep. You yep. do have a committee, yeah? We or, don't. or am I sitting? Is this it? This is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the committee. Pretty close. Yep. Right. Right. You obviously love doing this because it's, I mean, it's not the only thing that you have going in your life, but in and of itself is so huge. It's such a big undertaking. Do you sleep? Uh, during festival time, not a lot. Right. <laughs> but it's gotten, I mean, it's gotten, it's gotten harder and it's gotten easier. When we first started, we did things the hard way, like the hardest way all the time what? and every year we make improvements on how we do stuff mm -hmm. but in conjunction with that every year the festival gets bigger too right so even though we're doing it smarter we're just you keep adding another children's activity or another layer to it and so it's it's physically probably easier now than it was when we did the first ones up yeah, there yes. where we were mm -hmm. physically totally exhausted because we put up sure. snow fences and we like just ridiculous stuff that are now we've got a process and it's easier but every year you know another couple thousand people come yeah and that adds more to it you think more about logistics of parking lots and right you know th things like that that probably weren't as big of a deal way back then and you've got to get city permits i would imagine I think. well we actually are a partner with the city so the city's really been really really good with us That's handy. so they own the land they provide a whole bunch of in-kind services for us so our power is put up there they've built a couple of cement pads for us up there they mow the lawn like they've been very very good but this festival has been pretty good for the right. community as well. Do so. you have to do any advertising outside of the province, or is word of mouth just... Uh, well, I actually do oh. most of my advertising outside of the province. If you uh -huh. ask people in Swift, in Swift Current and in Saskatchewan, most of them know about the Kite Festival. Right. So I, I probably do more in Alberta than I do in Saskatchewan, but I go all the way down into the northern states, all the way from Manitoba, all the way to BC, when I'm advertising the festival, so. Right, but on an international level, how are these people hearing about it? I don't know, we, I've had magazine interviews from Brazil, and from Australia, and from New Zealand, and from Thailand, and we've been in German magazines, we've been in all over, like it's just, it's quite spectacular really. <laughs> so, so is it because there aren't that many kite festivals or what is it? Well there is, there's lots, kite festivals aren't in our culture as much. Right. But Japan. in Asia yes. and in Europe, yeah. in Germany in particular, they have yeah. big, big, and in France they have a huge festival that's, you know, 10 days long with hundreds of thousands of people. Right. So there's a culture of it bigger elsewhere right but Dieppe's probably the bigger festival than us in Canada and they're coming to check out our festival this year <laughs> and there has been Absolutely. other big festivals that are no longer operable in Canada uh-huh um uh what's well, not Dieppe there's another one that was in the 80s or 90s that was huge um so in Canada there's there's not that many 
And are you traveling to some of these other ones? I don't. I mean, I have been to... The, the biggest one I used to go regularly was Long Beach, Washington. Right. Every August on the West Coast down, you know, in Washington State. It's on the, on the ocean. So I've been to that a bunch of times. But... And then they get they get flyers, hundreds and hundreds of flyers, thousands of flyers. Right. But I haven't been to Europe or any of those other. I don't like traveling really. Right. And well, so, let them come to you. Clearly, yeah. they are. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Did any of you fly? I did. Did you fly kites when you were a kid? I mean, no, like, I didn't know anything really? about kites, and really? we couldn't know nothing. I I had one or two, and I, the only time I tried it, I was kicking it around the field trying to get in. There was no wind and. And I didn't know, you know, there, my dad didn't know anything about kites, and nobody, there was no adults that knew anything. Then wow. there was no books, so no, I didn't do anything. Shan? I flew as a kid, yeah. and then my husband's a keener, and so we flew it with our children, because my husband likes, he's built kites big enough to lift the children off the ground. Wow. <laughs> and, and he's always liked kites, so we've always had kites when my family was young. Right, so, Denise? I didn't grow up with them. I mean, we maybe had one once and tried to fly it, but not with much success. But when I moved here and I saw that Swift Current had a kite festival, I thought, what a cool idea. And, yeah, right. my kids have a kite now. <laughs> now, let's dispel one of the big myths, which is you need wind to fly a kite. Apparently, you do not. Well, no, if you're going to indoor flying, but you have to keep the kite moving. Right, but... but Eventually, you will hit an air current. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. You got to move the kite. But indoor kite flying is mostly multi-line flying. So they're doing aerobatics and they're moving. They're actually a lot of them dance. It's a performance. So they're moving the kite around. They got to keep the kite moving because it's created that way. There's an you know creates a wind. I guess more precisely, you don't necessarily need a windy day. No, you don't. You could, a light wind, there's kites that'll fly in half a mile an hour. Right. Have you had rainouts? We've never had a rainout. We've had lots of rain. We have had two days out of the 20 days, two days each year for 10 years, that there was no wind, that we all just sat and looked at wind meters all day long, <laughs> and there wasn't a breath. And those days kind of sucked. The weather in Swift Current seems to change throughout an eight-hour day. We'll have a little bit of everything. So we have had rain. We've never had a rain out. We've never closed the festival down and said, oh, my God, let's all just go home. We've never done that. Good. So we talk about that then. Yep. (laughs) We always have a good day. We've had that at the end. I don't know, four or five years ago, it was getting to like like 4.30. And a thunderstorm blew in, and it rained like hell. Yeah. And that was like 4.30. It's over anyway. So, but right. we've never actually, yeah, like Shan said, never been rained out. The wind has been too strong a lot of times. But I hope you're enjoying this episode. Did you know that full versions of Sascapes can be downloaded or streamed for free from the iTunes Store, Stitcher Radio, and on SoundCloud? Feel free to leave us a review or star rating. And now, back to the podcast. Now, you've got some featured flyers coming um, this year. Do you invite them, or again, do they know about the festival and say, hey, I'd like to come? Mostly we invite them. We do get, like I mentioned before, some people that approach us out of the blue that express an interest in coming, but mostly we, it's by invitation. 
But, right. Yeah. Right. Malcolm um, Goodman from England is one of the kite flyers that's coming. I was on his website. His kites are unbelievable. They're, they're, they are artwork, probably much like yours are. Um, yeah, his are better. Uh, <laughs> you're supposed to say that because you're a humble artist. Well, <laughs> I, but he has uh, pajamas that are a kite that I saw. There's a picture of uh, pajamas yeah. that, that are... Um, I'll have to look. I haven't seen his website. Yeah, they're called pink pajamas, and they literally are these pink pajamas. Um, his website was uh, a plethora, had a plethora of information and, and little stats about kites. More adults fly kites than kids do. Apparently, well, yeah, I'm somebody's done a study. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but is that the case with your festival here? Are there more adults with kites in the air than kids? Uh, it's a real family festival. Okay. There is multi generational families out there all the time. Really, grandma and grandpa's families, right down to little kids. There's a little bit of something for all the kids to do. So it actually. I mean, it's a nice way to spend with your day, with yeah. your kids for a day. So, but how do you time the flying of the kites? How does this all work? Because obviously, you can't have. Uh, there are three different fields. We have a single line field where our, a lot of our celebrity flyers fly all day long. Okay. David's stuff is up all day over there. Okay. There's a multi line field that's a demo field where the guys that do performance with rev kites, the multi line kites that do choreograph it to music. They are yeah. in a demo field. And then beside that is a free public flying field that's full of all the people who have a kite, have brought a kite to fly, have purchased a kite or made a kite in and they go out and fly them. Right. We so. do a workshop for kids too, so they build kites. So there's hundred we do like what was it, seven hundred a day? Yeah. So there's 1,400 little white kites flying, and most of those are kids. So no kidding. Your, your question about children is there's yes. lots of kids flying. Okay. Any tangles in all that? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a kite hospital as well that's is free there? of charge. Yeah, yeah. That, the, that the yeah. celebrity flyers man and people just bring mangled kites. And oh, so it's for them. the kite being mangled, not the flyers. That's right. The because, kite being mangled. Right, because apparently, according to um, Malcolm's website, 12 people are killed each year in kite accidents. Yeah, we've never had anyone killed. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that wasn't what the hospital was yeah, for. We did have the big teddy bear takeoff last year. We had a huge bear that was, what, probably 500 square feet yeah. bear? Took off out of the line, flew about two miles through the air, and landed in the creek. Part wow. of it landed in the creek. Wow. So they had to go. Most of those deaths it. that, I don't know, I haven't, I have to look at the website, but most of those deaths probably are attributable to traction kiting, which is one of the biggest form of growing, largest, fastest growing sport in the world right now is, is kiteboarding. And it's like wind sailing with a kite. So they don't have a sail. They're on a yeah. board on the water okay. with a huge, huge kites. And a lot of those people die doing that. Because they lift off, I yes. would imagine. And they, well, get, they go the, fast. The guy in, Ed, in Edmonton got picked up and slammed into the side of a building. So, yeah, most of those deaths are probably, you know, traction kiting. So it's not people with single-line kites, really, that are, are being killed. It can be quite frightening. I remember even as a kid, once that kite was up, the pull yeah. on that thing, and you're holding it. You, I mean, it's scary. Exhilarating. Exhilarating. Not scary. Okay. Exhilarating. Sorry, I was a neurotic kid. <laughs> so the second, the second I felt that kind of power, I was 
I was terrified. Well, if you see some of the big kites, they are scary because, uh-huh. like, uh, one of the kites, I, a guy that we had here flying uh, from Vancouver, Art Ross, used to make huge, huge soft kites. And, and those are, they're like airplanes. When they go up, they just, you know, like 15 people on the rear, the trailing edge holding it down, and it goes straight up like that. It, you can, it's powerful. And people have been killed with the really large kites. But, you know, that's sort of a rarity. Right. We have big bin anchors that go into the ground. Okay. Really far that they can bend with those right. big kites. But right. we've, we're kind of set up, although we do have the windiest hill mm-hmm. that we could find to have this kite festival. Great. So Good. we have lots of wind. And some of the kite flyers are flying with chore- choreographed to music? Yeah. So they're coming in, in with sound systems? In te- well, we have a sound system because okay. we do music festivals course, at night. Right. So we have a full sound system, and we talk to the all the attendees throughout the day. Like there's a, We bring in Don King, who's a professional announcer of kite festivals from... Uh, California. From California. And he There's comes, a professional announcer for kite festivals? Well, he actually runs hospitals. But... <laughs> <laughs> He told me he only does one other, but he only does two. Wow. And he does them every year. Wow. He's our professional. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure Announcer. he stays away from the kite hospital while he's yeah. there. That would yeah. be too close to the day job. Yeah. No, right. so he's really good and he talks to them all day long okay. to everybody and explains stuff. Right. So the teams come out and at the the biggest team we ever assembled was probably 16 kites, 18 kites, all flying in a choreographed thing with their revs. So wow. it's pretty amazing. With the music and everything? Yeah. And have they heard the music in advance or is it they just Usually with those guys, one guy, they all have headsets and one guy's calling it and he's calling the next formation that they do. So wow. And everybody knows the different kinds of formations and they just get in and participate. So Right. So it's like square dancing in the sky for kites. Or ice skating. Or, yeah. yeah. Ice same, skating. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's fascinating. Denise, you were going to say something. I was just going to say back to what your comment about most more adults flying yes. than kids. Right. I think that's one of the things that's maybe a little bit unique about Windscape. Mm-hmm. And at least it's something that the kite flyers often comment on is that they go to kite festivals around the world and most of them are adults at yeah. those festivals and that's who the spectators are that's who the participants are but at Windscape there's such a strong children's focus and families focus that we really bring out a different crowd for them uh-huh. and they love that interaction with the families and with the kids so all those kids activities that we offer um, just brings in a different group of people and so they love having the kids coming and asking for autographs and right. interacting with the flyers so. oh yeah because everybody gets a pass book yeah, uh, is that what it is? Passport, passport, yeah, and it has every celebrity flyer and their photograph and where they're from, and they're encouraged to go up and meet them and, and have the sig- and then to win prizes with the more right. autographs they get. Right. So it it makes it makes it so that there's interaction between those celebrity kite flyers from France and Germany yeah. and England yeah. to get to talk to just the average. Kid right. attending. Just so. think of all those kids that are that'll wind up being kite makers as adults. Well, that's our hope. Influenced by it. We're finding that there is like we do we've been doing kite flies on uh, the third Sunday of summer months. Uh-huh. And I think there is getting more and more kite flyers and so well, there certainly is when we first started the kite festival, trying to even tell people what a kite festival was just was yeah, brutal, yeah. and they all know now. <laughs> so we hardly even have to tell them anymore. So it's it's 
it's something that people in Swift Current look forward to. Is there a kite shop in Swift Current now as no. a result of all no. this? No. Well, we sell it? kites. What the about uh, right. the toy shop? Do they Spettergotch? They, yeah, they do have some kites in there. But you but sell kites at the festival, That and where do those kites come from that you're selling? I bring them in from the manufacturers. Okay. So, so they're not kites that are being made by the kite flyers that are coming in? No, you can't afford those kites. <laughs> <laughs> some of those are raffled off at different times. Yes, they, they have are. Been, yeah. Yeah. Here? Yeah. yeah. Um, for various causes? For the kite festival to help pay for For the kite festival. The kite festival is free. There's right. no admission charge. Yes. So we you do everything make... we can to figure out ways right. to make it work. Is it rude to ask how much the the highest price a kite might have gone for that you can recall? Uh, with a raffle, I can't. Yeah. I, we gang it all together. But there's kites. We have a kite company that comes. Uh, kite guys come. And they sell rev kites for four, five hundred dollars wow. on site. So Is it an expensive hobby? It can be. Because yeah. the materials, if you're building kites, it can be very expensive. Because nowadays, people, unless they're in, definitely they're into handmade paper kites or something. Everybody's using ripstop nylon or ripstop polyester. Right. If you buy that at retail, it can be fifteen dollars a yard. If you buy it in bulk, you can maybe get it for a dollar or two a, a yard. Mm-hmm. But and then there's the the spars, graphite, hollow graphite oh, yeah. spars. Yeah. They can be twenty dollars. Piece like this, yeah. you might need fifteen or twenty of those. You do not want to lose an expensive no, kite. No, that would no. be a really bad day. Yeah, <laughs> we blew up a kite last year. The wind came down, and that was what a four hundred, five hundred dollar kite, or the one I just bought from Gomberg today yeah. <laughs> to replace it. Yeah, it's about that. Yeah, so. and it blew. Up. It came down and hit a uh, ground anchor and, and was blown sideways, and it ripped the hole right through it. Three. So yeah, that's it can yeah, it's expensive. Not even the kite hospital can help that. Well, yeah. we're going to try and fix it, but it's won't be the same as it used to be. But we're ordering another one. <laughs> so my husband bought put spars in his kites, and it was nine hundred bucks by the time this mm-hmm. little wee package of spars. It was just ridiculous. Wow. So, but it's a beautiful kite when he's done. So, but we sell kites for five dollars. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and lots and lots and lots and lots of them. Right, so right. we have our lowest price point is five bucks, and we sell to probably a hundred and fifty. And then the kite guys sell the higher end ones. Right. So okay, all right. And then you've got food on ground as well. We're hoping to have food trucks this year Are instead you? of just food. And so where will they come from? We're hoping Regina and Saskatoon. There's a local guy from Rush Lake or, or Herbert. I'm not sure which one. That and we're hoping he comes. So we're hoping that the food trucks add a little bit to our festival, make it a little bit. Right. Yeah. So um, on that topic, you you mentioned that the city is involved um, heavily in the festival, but. What feedback are you getting from the business association? This must have a huge impact for the good on businesses. It does. We bring in, just with tourism spending on that weekend, well over a million dollars. So I actually am quite successful with my fundraising in Swift Current because I think that the community does realize that it's really good for our community. So of the 9,000, only half of them are from Swift Current. The rest are from elsewhere. So this year I had, I've always for the last probably five years had a vacation package with a local hotel uh-huh. but this year i have five hotels interested in offering packages so so they they are seeing the benefit and and lots of those businesses are being sponsors and they're putting kites up in their windows during the event and and they're 
you know, talking about it and promoting it as well. And those packages are also listed on your website. They are. Your website is very good. Who's responsible for uh, making that happen? I'm the marketing Shan, person. is there anything you don't do? Well, no, I'm the marketing person and I do the fundraising. Did you bake those cookies that are over there? I didn't, but I had Hillary go buy them. <laughs> now I know why you have a personal assistant. Yes. <laughs> right. Tell me a little bit about the Long Days Night Festival that happens uh, Long Days Night is four nights of music that's in the same setup. So yeah. it and there's two large tents up there. One's a children's tent, and one's the main stage tent. So during the evening, we make the main stand, stage tent into a cabaret for musical events, mm -hmm. and we have four nights. And then we've started putting in a fifth night, which is a volunteer appreciation concert on the Wednesday night, nice. which is free to all our volunteers and only available to the volunteers. So don't count on sleeping when you come to the festival. Oh, no, it goes all night long. It's quite fun. So. It, it literally does go all... I mean, you must shut down at some point. Yeah, we go to bed usually by 1 or 2. Right. <laughs> and the festival starts at 10. Right. So. That's amazing. Denise, are you responsible for wrangling all these um, kids' activities as well? Are you at the helm of that? Well, the... We do. I do the recruitment for the volunteers for all the positions. So for the long days night, it's a much smaller volunteer number for the concerts. But the the kite festival, yeah, we have volunteers that are staffing all of the children's activities. So they're supervising, running those activities, um, collecting the tokens, and right. making them happen. Tell me a bit about those activities. What are they doing? Oh, they're one of the most popular activities is face painting. Every okay. child and some adults love to get their faces painted each year. So we need a lot of face painters every year. Uh -huh. And um, some are very creative in their designs. Are you trying to match the faces to the kites? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they desire that. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's everything from yeah face painting to... Um, helium balloons and balloon animals and kite making as David mentioned and uh, making paper airplanes and testing them out through different um, uh -huh. hula hoops and, and pathways to a mystery sand pile which is a huge pile of sand and that's always a big hit with the kids they can they get a shovel and they just go digging in there for treasure and they pull out a, a prize out of that pile. Um, we have Let me guess, Shan, you're responsible for going around and burying all these prizes. We know I make the summer students do that. <laughs> <laughs> the summer students also usually design a, a maze out of straw bales, uh -huh. and so kids can play in that maze. Um, we have a giant splatter mural where we fill water guns with paint, and the kids can take shots at this big mural our big billboard and wow. create a design on there and what happens with the mural at the end of the festival we usually let the rain okay. <laughs> take all oh. the temper paint down again okay. clean it back up and get it ready for the next year so there, it's beautiful by the time the kids have splattered it with all their paint has so. there been ever any talk of keeping it and putting it on the side of a building somewhere well we we it ends up just a lot of paint <laughs> We've had a, a GoPro up there and, and done watch the progression of it, uh -huh. and that was pretty cool. And we might do that again, because that's quite a thing to watch. So the kids quite like that one. Yeah, I mean, look, Pollock. Pollock yes. was very popular. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for a lot of Looks similar. <laughs> right, well, you could be sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. Right. No. Last year was year number 10, so did you yep. do something um, spectacular uh, to celebrate the 10th year? Well, we had a birthday cake. 
and okay. we sang happy birthday and uh we had yeah that was it well <laughs> we had the 100 kite arch oh that's right but that was more for the centennial of swift current because it was oh, the 100th right, year that's right so we had a 100 kite arch in the centennial colors Wow. But really, for our birthday, we oh, had cake. Right. Okay. Right. That's right. It was the 100th. Uh, yeah. So current current. Last year. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So, so we also have a juggling tent. A and juggling we, tent. Yeah. Where we teach kids to juggle. We have a bowling bowl races, which is a parachute type kite that you strap to a kid and make them race against the wind. That's really popular. And we have a bubble station. Where kids make bubbles in the air and so. And popcorn. And popcorn. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. And temporary tattoos. And cotton candy and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's like a fair, too. It is. Yeah. yeah. No, it, you can come all day. And yeah. We have had like a petting zoo and some yeah. of those other. We don't have the same thing every year, but we had yeah. a petting zoo one year. Yeah. Way back in 98. Um, can you recall, I know that there was the exhibit at the time. Was that sort of the catalyst for making oh, yeah. this happen? I mean, yep. who wakes up and says, we should have a kite festival? Me. What was the exhibit? <laughs> you do. Well, no, Kim and I, because he said, come on, do the exhibition here at this gallery. Yeah. And then we're going to do a kite festival. Or gonna, we, we're doing an exhibition of kites. We might as well have a festival. Mm-hmm. And so we got as many, I think we got all of the flyers that were I featured in the... In the exhibition, we had them come out. So, yeah, I mean, I'd been to lots of festivals in Vancouver and in the western United States. So, I mean, I was sort of, was my, I guess my contacts, you know, I had a lot of contacts and friends in the kite world. So, I'd been to kite, it's not, it's not new for me. So, it was just new for here. So, yeah, we said, okay, let's have a kite festival. Did anybody say, oh, but well, yeah. the pun, this won't fly after this year? I mean, Well, yes, actually, the board of directors at the gallery uh-huh. said no. Said no. It, it would was, cost too much money. And it was too much work. It was hard. It was huge. It yeah. was really, it wasn't anything like we were doing now. And I mean, it, was it was cold. A, it was freezing cold. It was in a different field. Snowed. We had no large tents. Uh, we tried competitions, which is always a nightmare. Um, kite competitions, and those are... They're real, most festivals don't do them anymore. Right. Um, so was, how do you make that? How did the second year happen? I mean, the naysayers lost out. Uh, because it drove me. I was doing music festival with children's festival during the day. Yeah. And I was doing it Thursday, Friday. Like, and it was just way too much work. And, and the tent was sitting empty. And that seemed crazy because it cost too much money to put them up and to get it all set up. So I hated that. And it was just, we knew how to do it. And right. So in 2004, was it 2005? We, I, 2005. Yeah. So it, it started again. Right. And I came back. It wasn't necessarily me, but I guess that had something to do with it. Yep. Um, Who would have thought 11 years later that this yeah, so it it's would be as huge Well, it's as gotten it bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's yeah. good. It's a nice fit for this community. Right. We have lots of wind. We have big open spaces and lots of sky. Right. And it's a it's a good fit. And it's a unique festival. It's not like No, not at all. Yeah. So No, we do um, a lot of things that others don't do, like um, the passports. Yeah. A lot of no one's ever heard of that for kite festivals and now a bunch of people are doing that. We uh, we have bandanas instead of T shirts. Yeah. For for the volunteers and the every year that's a different colored 
bandana. So I have like 10 of them. They're all, all different right. colors. The goal is every year that it gets easier because you get the system yes. down even more. This you year, like to add something yeah. new each year. This year we're having food trucks. I think that's going to be huge in yeah, our well, ease part. That's new. <laughs> what, in the so. first couple of festivals, everything that we needed up there had to be trucked up on site. Yeah. Everything. Frigi refrigerators, tables, everything. Yeah. And now everything's, a lot of it's on, in, on site. In big containers. Yeah, so, and that took a couple of years, but once that happened, you know, that cuts out like tons you know, of work. days and days of hauling junk up to the site. And instead of so. snow fence, we now have a permanent fence structure that we just put metal on. So okay. we end up with, you know, 400 feet of metal, eight foot high fencing that takes half a day to put up right. instead of. 5,000 hours worth of snow fence that didn't really right. work. <laughs> right. So, I mean, some of those things have just gotten, you know, the, the containers that are up there sandwiched in the tents and protect the tents. The anchors yeah. for the tents now are embedded into the asphalt and we just clip onto them. Like, tons of those kinds of things have made it easier and easier. The power or actual real power boxes that you can actually plug a cord into instead of you know ridiculousness that we used to do so right what are people that have come from far away that have come from europe what are what are they saying about saskatchewan their some of the first impressions can you recall any of the comments well they love it like we really have amazing fields and amazing sky to put on festivals yeah. i think lots of festivals are in pretty tight quarters and we really do have a great big open field so um you know and they go back and they write about it, and that's how come we end up in German right. kiting magazines right. because they had a good time and they were amazed with how the festival was set up and how nice it was to fly here. So they also yeah. go back and say it's really windy. In the open <laughs> space, like the Germans especially, you uh -huh. know, and Germany's pretty crowded, I guess. They don't have this kind of open space. Right. So they can see for miles here, and they get really blown away by that. Yeah. And the English ones, the English too. Yeah, you know, and I guess anybody that's from Western Europe, or Europe in general, it's so crowded. Right. And here, it's people have said, "Oh, it's so empty here. There's nothing here." But there's such you can see forever, and so they really are impressed by that. And the sky, of course, the changing sky. Yeah. <laughs> and we work hard to provide a high level of service for yeah. for the guests, and and people comment on that. They remark on how helpful volunteers were, and you know, people get. Um, yeah, they ask questions about where should I go for a meal or what else should I see, and they get lots of information. People are willing to um, even, hey, I'll give you a ride to the museum or I'll take you here. Or So it's, uh, yeah, I think they get a warm welcome when they're here. And It's remarkable what you've accomplished when you think it's largely volunteer-driven and it's free to the public that you're able to provide such quality of service for everybody it's that's remarkable we're trying <laughs> we take good care of the flyers too that's one of my jobs is to i'm basically with the single line flyers all weekend uh -huh. and so i drive them everywhere basically i'm a chauffeur <laughs> and we take them anywhere they want to go and you know if they want to go to the hotel and change their clothes we go to the hotel you know and and they get lunch on the field and you know that's not unusual with kite festivals, but still, we do we go as far as anybody else. And the locals must love you. They just must. Uh, well, I mean, the the feedback must be incredible from. Yeah, from no, it is. 
And and I and I think restaurants are feeling it, and I think yeah. gas stations notice the difference. And hotels are full, and I think the, but I mean the, the residents. They must are, yeah. are they they're, they're well, putting Swift Current on the map. Yeah. No, I think I think they think it's a really great thing. And and every once in a while, I find stories. There, one fellow passed away two years ago, and his family made a he never missed a festival and it was a man i actually knew as a kid but he'd never missed a festival he was there at 7 a.m with his car park so he'd have the best spot and he went every took his his wife made him a package and he spent the whole day at a festival so when he passed away it was important to them that the kite festival have a presence at the funeral and and they come every year like they they are coming in his memory and volunteering for us in his memory and i mean i i and i knew kent and i knew he attended the festival but i had no idea the importance of that in his life and then in his family's life and i had another lady who's her and her son started doing it years ago when he was a little guy as something that even though she has this of uh, intact family, they left dad at home. And the mom and the son went to every single kite festival, just the two of them. That was their special day. They bought a kite that they flew for the rest of the summer. Like it was a thing for them. Yeah. And you do, you miss, because you're so damn sure. busy, yeah. you miss all of those yeah. little stories that show the importance of it. But they're there. We just... Yeah, we're busy putting it yeah. on, so we kind of miss some of them. You so, need a volunteer to go and collect stories, stories well, from the kite festival. And we do; we have lots of people. You know, our volunteers are pretty good that way. And most of those volunteers that we have, lots of them have been with us a long time, and they're pretty committed, and they have stories like that to tell. So right. that's magnificent. Yeah. Wow. We do have a pretty good dedicated staff of summer. We should mention summer staff. Because uh-huh. we get some of the returnees, and we've had people back three or four years in a row, and our summer staff are really good. Really right? good. They do a lot of the work, the physical labor. Right. And is this, again, volunteer? No. 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 They're paid we get grants staff. for them. Oh, good. So, yeah. Good, good, good. And, and they yeah. work their asses off. We do. Right. <laughs> they have fun, though. And they do, and you know they have fun because they're returning time exactly. and time again. Exactly. So, so they're good. I hope you have a spectacular year number 11. I hope I get to come this time. Yes, uh, it'll be good. being pulled in five different directions. Thank you all so much for hanging out with me. Oh, it's welcome. almost, it's so beautiful we could actually go fly a kite today. Probably. Yeah, no, exactly. It's not so too cold. Yeah. I don't know how much wind, wind there is. Up, up, up in the hill there'd be a bit maybe. Yeah. Well, this is when we burst into the rousing... Rendition of Let's Go Fly a Kite from Mary Poppins. <laughs> we have Actually, to use that song. There is winter festivals back east. They yeah. fly in on frozen lakes and stuff. Right. And I can't imagine that here. But, right. I mean, we could go fly to They're having a big kite thing in Regina uh-huh. um, that's yeah, kite right. boarding on snowboarding or whatever so, it is. Is it a Red Bull? Of, yeah. 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 And that's happening in February. Right. So and that fellow usually comes to our festival or right. has in the past. Yeah, it's kite, it's traction kiting. The kind I said that was sort of dangerous. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And they race around a circuit with kites on board and board on boards. Or and it's fifty kilometers. It's, like it's an endurance wow. thing too. Extreme so. sporting. Yeah. You all have taken that expression of "go fly a kite" quite literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a good way. Thanks so much, everybody. Oh, Great welcome. to meet you all. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
The SaaScapes podcast is created and hosted by Kevin Power for SaaS Culture. Funding to the cultural sector is provided through the Saskatchewan Lottery's Trust Fund for Sport, Culture, and Recreation. For more information, visit iHeartCulture.ca and SaskCulture.ca. Music for Sascapes is provided by Saskatchewan-born singer-songwriter Jeffrey Straker. There's no end to the stories to be told. So, until next time... <laughs>